0: Alright, we're in, uh, Ephesians chapter 6 this morning. Uh, so first off, if you did not get to hear Dave Barber's lesson last week, go online, on our website, download that, but add yourself. And I really love the way he set up that last part of Galatians, so I'm going to do the same thing. Too. So I'm going to Still for my brother, I thought. But yeah, i that. Was, so we're in Ephesians chapter 6. Uh, last week we looked through divisions of the Old Testament of the New Testament. We're in that section of the New Testament for called letters of the church. I don't know how many of you a physical Bible, but uh, if you have ever struggled to remember the order of these four books, never get written, i get ever given of how that is in general, like the power of God. But it's all the way even today. Otherwise, on my iPad, I'm not going to say anything. But so they we're in Ephesians. Next week will be in the week After that, will be in Colossians. It's almost going to through. So, the New Testament divided up in several different sections of the gospel of Jesus acts history of the have got letters to people, letters to church. So, it's on So, the Ephesians, I'll jump right into our, our text today. Uh, in 1st century Ephes, first century A.D., this area South Asia, you've got all of these individual cities. The Ephesus is a massive, massive city. Uh, it had about a quarter of a billion people in it, which was ridiculously huge for that period. 20, 30,000 people in the city, a quarter of a billion And it was known for one massive. Historian, uh, his name is uh, Antipater of Sidon. He's a guy who made the list seven wonders. He went and visited and saw, and he And "Here's what he wrote about the Temple of Artemis." He said, uh, "I have set my eyes on the walls of the lofty Babylon, which is robed for chariots and the statue of Zeus, and the hanging garden, the colossus, huge pyramids. But when I saw the house of Artemis, the mountains and the clouds, those other marvels." Lost her brilliancy. I said, Lo, apart from Olympus, mountain like god, the sun never looked on it. But he had seen the pyramids, the colossus, hanging, dark on the wall, and hold on dark. He said, This thing outside the mall. You look at it and you kind of go, Really? Okay. This is really right. Well, it's uh, kind of, yeah, kind of, right? It's Parthenon. Uh, similar. This thing is made up entirely of marble, 420 feet long, uh, 260 feet wide. You could set it on top of a NFL size okay. for a mall. It would cover up the entire floor. Both the team areas on either side and to 30 feet beyond the All pure, 100% marble. White. Imagine white marble in the sun that big. It's going to flood, it's going to shine, it's going to burn the That's the perspective of, of this city. So, what did they use this thing for? Well, it was actually a bank account. They got 120 pillars. Each one of the pillars were donated by a different team in that area. They were all kind of coming together and we're saying that we're through all of our resources and just be the bank. That's an absolutely unbelievably huge building. Now, Artemis, the false god, obviously. We all got that from right? Greek mythology in high my school. They three Greek mythology. Do they enjoy Greek mythology? I did. Uh, I thought it was kind of weird for the first chapter until so I realized, oh, they don't really believe They're just, just telling stories about this concept, right? So that, that kind of helped me. That was about three pages in and I was going, I don't think this, well, is, this is not okay i do not need to show my mom that uh, you know the television was the devil the that stuff but Artemis had an entire month on celebration every single year dedicated to her and this was the place where they could do all sorts of really awful stuff And that's the Temple of Artemis. That's probably what it looked like then. This is what it looked like today. And I'll be real careful when I show you what it looks like. All of these other pieces are ruins of other things. This is all that's left. Okay. Be careful with the place. Okay. 2,000 years later, yeah, I think it's kind of God's funny way of knowing. So, the other thing that uh, Ephesus was known for is the theater at Ephesus. You're probably looking at this going, yeah, I don't know how the this look today. But it might be okay, let me um, This was an unusual theater because it was so massive at the time. Uh, it seats at least 25,000. Squeezed deeply in, it seems a lot more than that. But this would have been size. of the really was built for drama kind of see this one lone guy down here at the bottom. Right. Well, the stage would have been back here, uh, exceptionally good seating down here, very both so the other day. There's actually a little hole right here with uh, the the Uh hole right here where all the four people we can come in. And it's called Bob and Thank you. Well, the word didn't rich stuff coming out of the mouth and then people flowing through so quickly for their feet. because they skewed through so quickly. They saw vomit, it was like, Oh, that's a similar thing. It looks like people coming in the theater. I love that the work work, but right? it's amazing stuff. Well, the rich folks would have come in down here and would had seats lower on and had much better seats, but originally it was built for drama and then later on it was turned into um Games. So, what types of games would have occurred? Like fighting games would have occurred, gladiator-type combat, those sorts of things. What the fictional churches. So that's all this stuff ties into a specific piece of the text that we're going to be looking at today. So, of like, like, background to to up in. So, we're in Ephesus. Now, who started the church of Ephesus? Who founded Paul in the church of Ephesus. Yeah. Uh, You can actually read about that whole story. It's a weird story. Uh, most of Paul's story is about how he found the church He disciples of the class. So he was feeding uh, the devil worship all like, uh, Acts chapter 19 talks about Paul starting the church of Ephesus. Paul actually wrote several letters of the New Testament from it. Say stayed there several years. He wrote a couple of the Timothy. Sorry, Timothy was in Ephesus. He wrote those two things. But he wrote First Corinthians from Ephesus. This is the place that he stayed at for a considerable amount of time. Very, very clear. So, getting a letter, or the letter to the Ephesians, that's what to the text we have in the Bible, getting a letter from the founder of your church, would have been a big deal. How many of you grew up in churches where you knew the person who started the church? So, what was your relationship? It would be kind of a legend in the church, like everybody Right. And the church that I grew up in, just celebrated the 50th anniversary. Here's one place, thirty-seven up uh, And you, I would expect so. But to get a letter from the person down to the church. is going to be equating. I did not somebody that didn't know them well. But when you look at the outline of the Hebrews, uh, chapters one through three, are really about what God has done, Just setting up the that God put all these things. All these things in place that God has taken care of. And then Ephesians 4, 5, and 6 are all about what we should do in response to that. very balanced book. You ever want to do a Bible study or an entire book? Ephesians great book to do it. It's very straightforward. There's not a lot of the treatment of the challenge. straightforward. So it's a good book to study. Now, the reality, though, is that as Paul finishes up this letter, he is challenging to be, to be aware of the very real truth. And one of the very real truths in the world is the devil is real. You've probably heard somebody say, God loves you and has a beautiful plan for your life. Right? You've heard that before. The devil is free. He hates you. He has an awful plan for your life. That's the reality. And we're in a warfare all the time. It's called the talking them through the process of what to do to get ready for the spiritual warfare. Now, who, who knows? Where Paul was, wrote the letter to the prison. prison, Yeah, so who was he chained up to? He was chained up with Silas, right? He was also chained to a wall, okay? Yeah, keep going. There was somebody else in the room, but the Romans were really scared about this kind of stuff. He was chained to a a Roman daughter. So Paul, for several years, hung out very intimately. This is is how close they would have been for years. We're just hanging out, right? So, So, So when Paul goes through and describes this process of what this armor looks like that we're supposed to put on every day, this is coming from an expert perspective. Funny, because even the order in which Paul walks through these things to put on is the order in which they wrote themselves through it is put off and on had to do it in this order, otherwise no bit something that's on first, right? Um, I thought that was funny. So the key thought for today was put it on. Right? Really simple, really straightforward, put it on. And so often what we do is that we just kinda of walk out for our day, just assume so everything's good, but there's no problem because we can't see any problems. Yet there is a very real battle and a war that is going on for thousands of years, on for a long time, that's occurring all around us. So we're in Ephesians chapter six, we're gonna start in verse ten. Verse ten he says, Finally, my brethren, be strong. And if you've got going to take notes on your hands out, the circle every time I tell you we're in a thing that we're demanded to go do something that you know, be strong. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on another imperative. So we're responsible for dressing ourselves. Put on the whole armor of God. The whole armor of God. Now, all of the old commentators that I read, every single one of them said, just to be clear, those of you this have nothing to do with the armor on and the they said, well, let's take a look at, you've got your Bibles. We're going oh, to Isaiah 59-17. Isaiah 59-17. Now, Mary, You're in reading. 3rd. Isaiah 59-17. we've got that? What are we talking about here? We're talking about God. So God, what's that? Capital H on the people. That's the pronoun. that? What you put on right There's The, the dress plate. What else? Something of salvation. This is God, right? Uh, God has a physical body. That's right? Yeah. Have a, God the Father has a physical body. Right. Focus got it. So it's kind of a fuzzy question, right? But this is this is God using physical stuff to help us understand him who is unknowable without the self. Lots of fuzzy stuff going on here, but God putting on this breastplate right? He wears righteousness. That's God, right? His head is formed with the helmet of salvation. Vengeance for closing. So God says vengeance is mine. That's because he's got it. That's his closeness, that's not I. You'll notice in today's text Paul will never talks about because the garments, but the hope of vengeance. where that's No. Now I've got that thing here, I do not have to worry about that. So these pieces that we're about to walk through, I, I gotta think, I got to think, Paul being a doctor of the law that entire Old Testament uh, that Paul would have recalled. Uh, so back in verse uh, 11, put on, that's the imperative, circle that, the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the, wild. of the devil. You may have a better uh, not better, but a different word. What do you got, devil? the devil's schemes, that's good, what do you got? He um, this is practice of deceit. But how long has the devil been at the devil to do? Well, at least six thousand years, right? Like add all those years up in the Bible you've been doing it, at least six thousand years ago, particular interpretation. Maybe longer than that, but at least six thousand years, he's been practicing deceit. So he is better at it than we are. Okay. and I know some deceitful people. So the fact that the devil is better than any of them at this. Okay, so we acknowledge that we have a significant adversary. This practice, deceit of the devil. Verse twelve. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness. you can new to my class so I grab my water free flow comment Let that rip what's that spiritual warfare because he says right up front this is not flesh and blood this is not physical that we're talking about. so very well a lot of people think that a lot of people believe that now the challenge here is that Paul doesn't go into a lot of detail around exactly what that so let me clarify this really obscure thing that I just said. Now, in other places in the New Testament, these same types of words are used to describe angels. So we think that St. Paul describes the an enemy, and he's saying that it's not flesh and blood, that perhaps it's Satan, his demonic. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. Now, did you say make the whole armor of God? He that's a thing. said take it. God makes it. We take it. Take up the imperative. We'll circle that. Take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand or resist in the evil day. And having done all, stand. So let's think about this for just a second. No resistance whatsoever. There, was. And that? And that, that was just that. great. Oh, earned Yeah. Um, I practice that. And like that going All right. So, so we're wrestling, right? We're wrestling and wrestling and wrestling and 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 now listen. Now listen. What's my position after we're done? What's my position from text after we're done? i feel Which means the devil that was awesome. (laughs) It's like, wow, that's kinda cool. Well done, sir. Well done. Which means the devil either fled or stopped. Okay. So the beautiful thing here is that this standing takes place after the rest. This is Paul is describing the stance of the victor. is that? A couple weeks ago we learned that we were more than conquered. All these things that God did for us in our lives, and now we find that we can actually put that to use not only in our active everyday lives, but in this this spiritual realm that we can't see to the devil's end. So, really neat stuff. So we're standing after rest. So, verse fourteen: Stand, therefore, as an imperative. Circle out. Having girded your waist with truth. Dirty? You have better word. Buckled? There you go. Buckled through weight. Through. Okay. How many of you guys wear a belt every day? Yep. How many of you guys have to wear a belt every day? I have to wear a belt. If I don't wear a belt, then I'm going to have a real problems. I'm going to be asked to leave my job after a short period of time. It's not going to go well. I have to wear a belt. And the Roman uh, armor. The first thing you put on is kind of this undergarment that kept everything where it needed to be so that you could fasten other things on top of it. It's your foundational. That uh, was <laughs> That was awesome. So awesome. it's awesome. your foundation. That's good. I'm going to put that in the notes. That's too much. <laughs> so it's this first thing that goes on. And I love that because that's the idea that truth. Is the cold, right? If you start with truth, if you add the things of God on top of that, you got a great, uh, John Wesley said that you may be ready for every motion, for every motion. I don't know what kind of rest of the devil is going to come at, you, come at, you, right? It may be stuff I've never seen. It may be stuff he hasn't seen. So then, number two, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. So we see this, uh, our soldier up here, right? The Roman soldier. He's his waist with the truth, breastplate of righteousness. And then, having shod or put on shoes, uh, your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So, the preparation of the gospel of peace. Let's talk about shoes for just a second in the first second. Who was the most dominant military commander within a hundred years of Jesus Christ? Alexander the Great. Anybody ever studied his army? They had one incredible, well-provisioned piece of equipment. They came up with a way to have a thick leather sole nail those spikes coming out the bottom so that they could move at high speed over any terrain, whether it's wet, whether it dry, whether it rock, whether it's grass, whether it basically spikes, right? cleats, we call them cleats nowadays, that they could move at high speed over any terrain. But that's how he was able to move. Massive you know, he died at what a 30. He conquered basically the known world and he led first. Many of those battles, a lot of that was, was troops were just marching through, they marching through to their feet, were well shot. So, what are our feet supposed to be well shot? This gospel of peace. Because this is the great thing. If you can take the gospel into any environment, and if that seed is sown and watered and grow, It will be. that? This is the scenario that gets set up for us to live out. So we've got having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And one of the commentaries I read said this is a beautiful contrast to the raging of the outward conflict. We're we're wrestling with the devil, but my feet are at peace. Verse 16 Above all, taking the shield of faith. The shield of faith. Now, a lot of times when you see, you Google, like, Roman soldier. The first fifty images that pop up, this guy's got this little bitty, looks like Captain America kind of deal, round shield, he's sitting there and you're like, okay, that's good. And I always look at those and thought, I yeah, want a great big shoe. I want something like this guy's got. And I look, and there's specific Greek words for different types of shoes. This particular word is the word for a shield that's about four and a half feet tall, about two and a half feet wide. Like, yeah. Okay, that sounds like a shield of faith, but I want to be here. i would yeah, probably tired of hearing this. Anyway, you're there. So four and a half feet tall, and I got to think, of like, he's six feet Did you ever think? I looked it up, how tall is the average man in history? Well, during Jesus' day, the average guy was about five, a four and a half. Foot, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Terry. <laughs> okay, okay, Um. So a four and a half foot shield would have been completely good, right? he's got a helmet too, so face protection. So he's covered. He can break that. So you got this idea here that this is describing a body length shield, with one athlete called. F- this thing would have made, made internally out of wood or metal and then overlaid different skins to provide uh, additional protection. So this shield of faith at which you'll be able to stand uh, to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. All right, so I've got, got a question for you. I've recommended many movies for you all throughout the years. Uh, all the Star Wars movies, all the Star Trek movies, anything by Quentin Tarantino. Also, I know I have to edit that out of the podcast. It probably won't get edited out of the podcast, right? Robin Wave, Robin listens to the podcast every week. A uh, uh, child like we have, that's Caleb. Caleb's sick sometimes. She's not always. Here, she let me know last week, for you, that not every time that I say, we'll take that out of the podcast, you actually take that out of the podcast. So I'll have to do a better job editing <laughs> Thank you for that. It makes you laugh, yeah you have seen the movie Scarface Scarface right? I cannot any good time you go watch Scarface okay? however there is a scene at the end of Scarface where Al Pacino's character comes out from behind the door and he says the immortal words say hello to my little friend right yes it's fantastic right? so Julie if you'll go get the lighter we'll light these up we'll do the uh, fiery dark. I've got a, a volunteer this morning. I've a volunteer. You the eldest of the archer. Yes, um, archer man. So you got this. Like, this will hurt. That doesn't trust me. I was like, you don't want to go there. So, so if I don't put on my shield of fate, because she's backing up, right? Then I've got a problem because I'm playing the devil. If I don't have it, then she's got a problem. However, okay, if, and we'll just use the doors back there, okay, follow me. If, however, she picks up her shield of faith, make it I love this, can play with a gun? It's not to So if you'll step on the other side of those doors, and we'll try this again, okay, see if I can get her on the other if, if you're wondering where we got this, my, my uh, sister sent my son had a birthday present, and it was a version of one of these, maybe. So, uh, hey, look, we gotta have a big version. So he goes to with his mama and buys the MG25. So we'll, we'll try this again. Don't, you don't want to do that. Fully automatic. Is that awesome or what? Hey, Esther, have I hit you? No, I hadn't hit her yet. You know why? You've got the shield of faith. She's in great shape. Is that awesome or what? That's pretty cool, right? Now we've got to pick these up. Okay. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll do that instead. Between them. That's awesome. <laughs> so, so, that's our, the fiery darts of the devil, right? Because sometimes we, we read this stuff and we go, yeah, okay, whatever. Fiery darts of the devil. real stuff. So verse uh, 17, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And here we go. And this is the part, this is the piece that I think gets ignored. I got feedback from several of you this week. Really it the Praying always with all kinds of, with all prayer and supplication of the Spirit. This prayer gets ignored a lot as a weapon. This is one of the weapons that we are given to to stand the devil. Um, and this always, is praying always, literally at every opportunity, at every opportunity. Uh, the idea is that there's different Greek words, the word time, It's is kairos, or opportune time, the time that you have to see, and you see the opportunity to take it, time. So at the beginning of verse 17, circle that word and take, that was a the Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer. Now that first word for prayer is just kind of a general prayer. Uh, the second word, that supplication is a prayer that asks for something. To do. Um, we're, asking, we're, asking, we're asking, we're asking, we're asking, we're asking, we're asking to, do to get it done. And We've all prayed prayer at a time. Uh, salvation of the love, the healing of our child, or whatever it might be. are just going to keep praying until it's done. We're so praying in the Spirit, being watchful, or awake or alert, this ends with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. But Paul kind of gets personal now, they he's been, been telling what they need to do how he transitions what he needs them to do him. And for me. Paul is asking him to favor him. That utterance may be given to me. Now, I get a little technical on it for a second. The opposite tense of the Greek is very, very rare to use this word is type of tense to only when uh, there's a desire for an action to occur which the completion of the action is doubtful. It's doubtful. So Paul is expressing doubt in his ability to do what is coming next. He's asking prayer from them for him to be strong and do what is about So You're kind of like, oh, wow, what's he saying next? that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Really, he just boldly went. Well, there were times where he had trouble. His his words here, his particular hints, lies that he wasn't sure he was going to be able to be bold. His change, his life is going to get worse. Verse 24, which I am an ambassador in China. And when we think about ambassadors, yeah, uh, remember the ambassadors that came up to King Leonidas? Yeah, Did things go well for them? Or for them? They went quite forward. Yeah, I don't know how deep that whole uh, was. And uh, these guys were decked out, they were arrayed in their country find like ambassador that he's a pastor and person. He's a pastor in all different instruments and all Everything that he needs to have a great impression. And, and Paul is saying, I'm an ambassador. Jesus so turned to help us the him. It's not about how we're little. Earth. It's about who we're representing. Holy beautiful. Many said that I that in it that I may speak bold as I ought to speak. So Paul asked for prayer for one thing, and that was bold proclamation. And I'm thinking hmm, if I'm chained next to a soldier, there might be a few other things on the single minded open. Okay. So here's the challenge for today. We're in a battle. Get ready to fight, put it on, and prepare to win. So what's the point? Well, no matter how bad the circumstances are, uh, fight to use what God has given. God created this for himself, battle-tested. Think back to the battle between David and Goliath. David was given Saul's armor, walked around with it, I guess yeah, it worked not very well, right? It didn't fit. God's already battle tested, and Customized for us, given it. Use what God is giving. you. And my in-house theologian, Esther Archer, pray, pray more. And when you're done praying, call and pray. Just always, every time you find an opportunity to pray. So what do I do with that then? Well, fight it out. We're more than confident. We already won. Paul even taught us how to say right? How do we pose for the picture okay. That's my wife. Okay. Uh, Number two is put it on. It actually, stretch those out. That's usually the point. Put it on and then fight it out. And number three is break. Don't give up. Don't give up. Hopefully, that's going to come up But don't give up. That's not. Soldier, he's all decked out. And next week, we get Philippians. lift. It's is like. Nice you for coming.